This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Whitmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, today, I'll be honest, I came into this podcast with one idea in mind. This is what the podcast is going to be about today. This is who we're going to talk about. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. What is Big Blue going in? They're going to play Michigan State this weekend. And then, I'll be honest, we get a curveball thrown straight out of Southern California. And how about this? A curveball that I didn't even know about oh, you didn't know- until you told me. Brandon walks into the studio today and I go, dude, this is what we're talking about. He goes, oh yeah, I know. Dude, Sarkeesian taking a leave of absence? What's going on? I go, dude. Dude, he's been fired. He's been fired. So, Brandon, this is pretty much raw for you. This is going to be raw emotions from Brandon. I've had about a few hours to have this sink in, and I am already plotting coaches to take over for Sarkeesian at Southern Troy. But the thing I want to look at first is just kind of like before we go into who's going to take over and stuff, just the tenure of, and I, I don't know if you can call it a, tenure for Steve Sarkeesian, but just the time that he's had at with the Trojans or at Southern California, this was supposed to be the coach, Brandon, to kind of build the team back up and bring them to those days they were under Pete Carroll. Well, here's the thing is, is I think that you, you take a look at, at what he's done and, and he was doing a good job. I mean, he had had USC back to a spot where they could be prominent back to a spot where they were playing good football. But, you know, there's there's a lot that, that goes into saying about, you know, alcoholism and things like that. I mean, it's a real problem. I mean, it's it's a real problem. It is. It's a it's a disease. It's a disease that affects a lot of people, a lot of families. And it, it's affected this this family, this mm-hmm. USC family. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, this is. This is a football team, but it's a family, the community, everything. It's affected all of them, and I, I think that it was probably a really tough decision for Pat Hayden, you know, to to do this. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's only going to help Steve. I, I, he's got to get some help. He has got to get some help. I, I was even reading an article um, from. Uh, not an, not an, well, it was an article, but I was looking at some tweets from the big lead, and I'm not sure exactly how how accurate this would be, but um, saying that some USC coaches, assistant coaches, believe that Steve Sarkeesian was drunk during the Arizona State game on September 22nd, and that some assistants even pulled Steve Sarkeesian out of a player huddle mm-hmm. on the sideline during the Arizona State game because they believed he was not sober. If any of that is true in any way, how disappointing, how sad. See, but here's the thing I think of, and I'm not saying that Sarkeesian doesn't have a problem because obviously he does if it's gotten to this point. But I just think of why didn't we catch this last year? Did this only go on this year? Was it last year? Was it did this happen at Washington? Like how could Steve Sarkeesian coach from 2009 to now? But now it's just becoming a problem because to me, I just feel like if you're having, if coaches are, and this is if that 
what the big lead you said it was, if their tweets are true, is I'm assuming that wasn't the first game then, and I'm assuming that he's probably had to be taken out of player huddles before. How does this not come up unless this really is the first time? And if it is, it's like, wow, that you were able to do this for so long. But I just feel like USC, this was supposed to be the promising season for them. Nine and four last year and Sark's first year with the team, six and three in the conference. They tied second in the South won the Holiday Bowl. They were among the favorites, me being one of them, to pick them for the national title. And then it's a 3-1 and start and a 2-1 and and 2 in Pac-12 play. And it's just how much a year can take. And I mean, I kind of, I mean, I don't want to say I find this funny, but I just think the, the timing of it is so bad to where USC is an institution. How bad do you look to where yesterday you go, okay, you're going to take a leave of absence, but then the next day say, yeah, you know what, we, we hope you get better, but could you take your stuff on the way out? Like, Would you mind? See, I think that the thing is is that I think that USC finally realized that, you know what, this couldn't be a leave of absence. You know, it, it needed to be more. And And how long would this leave of absence be? I mean, how long are you going to – you know, be in, in rehab. How long are you going to still have these types of problems? And and for USC, they just believed that they couldn't deal with that. They they couldn't move on successfully as a as an institution, as a program, if they didn't. I I think it's good for both of them actually that they that they I, that they part ways. No, I really I really do. I, I don't think I'm that not saying it's I, not. But good but that here, they listen, don't part listen, ways. listen. They they no. They this had to. In my opinion, this had to happen. This had to happen because they couldn't afford. They couldn't afford. They've got donors that they've got to keep happy. They couldn't afford any more bad things to happen on on his. Um, behalf you know they, they couldn't afford that and, and it's best for him to get the help now and you said earlier you know was this the first time it happened it may have been the first time it got this bad maybe it got to a point where before he was able to at least cover it up a little bit but at this point he can't control it he can't control himself he can't control his drinking he can't control any of it it may have gotten to the point where to go coach the game he needed to drink a little bit before I mean who knows but I know that you know, alcoholism, again, I said it, it's, it's it's bad. It is bad. It affects a lot of people. It is bad stuff, and it is a disease. So I, I think that this is good for the two of them, for USC as a whole and that program, and for Sarkeesian. See, I'm not saying it's not bad. Like, I'm not saying it's not bad that this had to happen. You knew that as soon as yesterday broke out, you knew leave of absence meant you're probably not coming back as head coach. The problem I have with it is you can have Sark take a leave of absence, not fire him today. Just let him take a leave of absence. Let him get better, but let him know, like, hey, you know what? You're probably not going to come back. You didn't have to cut it right now because now it seems like you as an institution, 
oh yeah, we hope you get better, but get out the door. We don't care about no, you. No, I, I, I don't. I don't see it like that. You know what I see it as? I, but because some, they I'm don't. They don't want to leave. To. But they don't want to leave the door open for him. For them to say, oh, you're better now, that's great, we still can't have you come back. It's better to just cut it right now and say, you know what, even if things do get better, we will still support you. We will always support you, but we cannot have you be our head coach anymore. There will not be another opportunity for you to coach here at USC, not right now not in the short term, and possibly not even in the long term. Right now, we can't do it. It's much better to say that than have him come back and and, and be better and and say, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have the job back. I'm ready to coach these kids. And then them go, oh, Steve, it's it's not there anymore. That that would be horrible. I'm not saying that hide it. I'm just saying the... Okay, we're not going to make it public right now, but we're letting you know, hey, this is probably not going to be, you're probably not going to come back, but we're only having you take a leave of absence because we really do care about you and your growth. To me, it just kind of felt like, especially when I heard the news today, oh, Sark is gone. My first thought was just, oh, we do care and we're going to have you take a leave of absence. Oh, you know what? We thought about it. Just get out. Yeah, I don't see that's it. that's kind of like my first reaction of it. I don't see it. Of like course that. I'm not it it kind of goes back to the when we had the discussions about Tim Beckman before that firing and then with that firing. Were either of us in the Trojan facilities? Were we in the coach's office? No. Unless I we slept walked know, a long ways. We don't know what went on, what conversations went on between Pat Hayden, between Steve Sarkeesian. But the bottom line is, this had to happen, especially not not just because of that, but it doesn't help when you start three and two, your one and two, your losses are to Washington and Stanford, teams that you shouldn't have. And I mean, going into this, like the rest of the season, what were you going to say? Well, there you Give go. I, I was just going to say, there you go. They probably are thinking, too, you know what, this is not good for our guys. Mm-hmm. This is affecting them. He can't lead as a coach right now. He's not in the right frame of mind. He's not in the right state of mind, which they're right. He is not. He needs to get himself right. They are doing him a favor. So he doesn't affect anyone else. I'm not saying that USC is now going to go win every game the rest of the way out. But you know what? In all honesty, I think now for them – for the players, for the other assistant coaches, I feel like they can take a deep breath because they've probably been holding this in a long time and they've been living with this for as long as Sarkeesian has been the coach there. They've been holding that on, on well, onto that, and that's probably been bottled up inside them. And now I think they can, and it sounds bad, but I think that they can finally relax. And, and, and not, not to say, oh, the problem's gone, but to say, you know what, there's not that distraction anymore there's not the distraction and he's getting the help he needs so i think that they can take a deep breath and say you know what it's time to move forward and the schedule doesn't get any easier no sure sure doesn't the next, they've got notre the dame next this three weekend. weeks here are their next three weeks at number 14 notre dame at home against right now number four utah that could go up and then at right now number 23 cal that could win if cal wins a couple of games there. So they're going to be playing three ranked teams unless I would say unless Cal loses a game because they're the only ones right now that would drop could drop out of the rankings 
by the time they meet the Trojans, there's a good chance. And I'm not saying just because Sark is gone that the Trojans now can't win a game, but there's a chance they go 0-3 in this next stretch. I mean, to me, maybe it's my Notre Dame, the reverse of a bias, but that would be the game that's probably the most winnable because Notre Dame has struggled. Notre Dame hasn't. They've needed late heroics. I mean, in the Clemson game, they had a chance to win that one and just couldn't pull it out in the end. They've been a team that— That one was the weather. Okay, if you want to blame it on the weather, go ahead. (laughs) You can do that. But I'm just saying Notre Dame hasn't been as strong as Cal, hasn't been as strong as Utah. That's the only game where I would say, okay, the Trojans might be able to win it, but I would still put most of my money, 90%, that they go 0-3 in these next three contests. Well, you know, I I think that if they're competitive, they'll be happy. Uh, I don't know necessarily if they'll if the, if they'll go zero and three. I I really think that they start to get a turnaround um, starting after the Notre Dame game. I'm shaking my head because the, when you say the I think they'll be happy, I don't think so. And the reason why I think so is to me Trojan fans, and if I'm wrong. Trojan Nation, please tell me in the comment section or on Twitter at Ricky Widmer, but I feel like Trojan fans want to be, they wanted to go back so badly to the Pete Carroll days with them winning, going to conference title games, winning those, going to championships, being in the college football playoff talk year after year after year. If they lose these next three games... But if they play hard, they still lost. So as a fan, you look at it and you go, wow, we're, we were starting last year was a build up to this year, and now we're back at ground zero. Well, in all honesty, I, I don't see USC, um, I, don't, I don't see them getting back into, they're, they're not going to the playoffs this year. Oh, no, they're I mean, done. They're, they're, Two they're, losses, you're they're, done. They're, they're already out of that. Uh, so there's... Not to say that there's not anything to play for. There's plenty to play for, but you're not Pride. going. You're, you're not going. You're not going to the playoffs. You're just. You're not going to do that. You've got four teams that get in, and there are so many teams better than them. And and, and you know what? Uh, people will blame it on Sarkeesian, but it's it's not just because of that in that situation. It's they underachieved. They underachieved in a season where people had them overhyped. You did. Oh no! I, okay, I'm not saying overhyped. I had oh, a I huge boner I, on for well, them. Okay, yes. I mean, yes, you did. You take away the Sark problems, and this is a better team. I think. I'm not saying take away Sarkeesian. Take away the problem. If he didn't have the problem, this team would be a lot better. That's why we're talking about this right now. The one thing I look at though is the one game that I said to have circled, and both of me and you talked about this game in the Pac-12 podcast preview, was the November 21st game between USC at Eugene, between the Ducks. These are going to be two great teams. Now you've got USC fired their head coach 3-2 and two right now. Oregon 3-3 three and three right now, just lost to Washington State in overtime. I just look at that matchup as, wow, I mean, as I'm looking at the Trojan schedule, like, man, that was a game where a few of us thought it would be a big game to watch, and now it seems like that may be 
one of the, oh, okay, it's a Pac-12 contest of the week, but let's get into the real discussion, Brandon. Who, after the season, who takes over? Who should be next in line in Troy? Well, and now I'm just throwing this out there. You're going to come with an interesting pick that more people have, I have talked already, about. As we are recording this podcast, I have already tweeted it. It is already up on my Twitter. So it's already out there. Um, see, for me, uh, a person that I think would be interesting had uh, you know, a couple of years in college in 2012 and 2013, uh, and this person was with Penn State. Uh, eight and four in 2012, seven and five in 2013. And, and this person right now, this guy now in the NFL, coaching the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, in nine and seven in his first season in 2014, second in the AFC South, so close to getting you to the playoffs. You think he'll come back to college? And then you turn around, and right now you got a one and four team, and, and anyone you put at quarterback, it's still crap. Uh, you know, I think that who knows? I mean, who knows? He probably hasn't had a. He really didn't have that long of a college coaching career, and now he's in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, could he be swayed to come back? Would they even want him? It's just a, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I thought it would be interesting. See, I just think the, here's the big thing with me about Bill O'Brien. And this is after watching a little bit of Hard Knocks and then just him on Sunday. He always seemed to me like he always seemed like an NFL guy with his time with the Patriots, and then when he went to. The college ranks, I always saw it like, man, this is a guy that wants to be an NFL head coach. He just need like he just wants to work through the trenches. And that mean if that means going to college, that means going to college. Am I saying it's not possible? No, I mean anything's possible, but I think Houston, especially if this is Bill O'Brien's second year with the team, right? Yeah, it's his, just his second his season. His first year was when they drafted Jadavion, right? Yeah, he's done a whole okay. lot for him. Here's a name. There's two names I'm going to throw out for you. And this is before we get. I'm going to save my big one for a little bit. I'm going to tease the listeners. Two smaller names Tom Herman, head coach of the Houston Cougars. And then I also have Kirby Smart, defensive coordinator at Alabama. Kirby Smart to me is a guy where. Is he eventually is he going to make the jump to head coach in the college ranks where we're talking the kind of head coaching trees where we're saying, okay, this is the head coaching tree of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart bringing a defensive mind to Troy. Another one with Todd Herman that's coming from the Houston doing very well. They're still undefeated this year in college football. I mean, that's a thing where it's like, okay. Okay, Tom, do you still want to be coaching Houston in the American Athletic Conference, or do you want to make the jump to the big boys in the Power Five? To me, I would put my money on them if they had to pick one of those two, going more Kirby Smart. But I'm going to throw out one more for you. Charlie Strong. I know they won this week. They beat Oklahoma. But with everything we've talked about this year, how Charlie Strong should get out, get out, get out, we've been saying go to Miami— But should USC be looking at it going, you know what, Charlie Strong's not right for Austin. Could he be right for us, though? Well, if you're going to say Charlie Strong, then I'm going to say Lane Kiffin. 
I don't think I don't think the Trojans want to bring Lane back. Yeah, anytime and I also, soon. That same response They'd be like is me what saying, I, "Let's bring back Pete Carroll from Seattle." That same you know, response they're two and three. Let's bring them back to Troy. That same response is what I think for Charlie Strong. You don't think? Char- do you think Charlie Strong leaves now after this big win? Do you don't, think that win this week changes everything that we've talked about? That people cannot say like it doesn't. That people sh- should disregard him for this opening. It doesn't change everything because when you know that your players are tweeting at halftime <laughs> that they want to transfer that's pretty bad um but i do think that this win uh really it, not to say it puts him back on the map but mm-hmm. it says you know what texas sucks but man they really woke up for this game so if they can continue to be strong going forward then we got a case if not you know great you want a good game but you're not you're not consistent enough for us to keep you. Here's a real interesting one though. How okay. about this one? Dabo Sweeney. Been with Clemson since 2003. Guy's good at what he does. Could he be drawn to USC? Ah. Um, see, I don't know. And if if Clemson makes the playoff, which they have a chance to because let's be honest, I know you may be sitting there home. I know Brandon is kind of in that same boat where you might say, but Ricky, the ACC isn't anything to write home about. But since Jameis Winston went to the NFL, Florida State isn't as highly touted as they were last year. So that opens up a door. That opens up a door in the ACC for somebody to possibly get into the playoffs. This year, it looks like it could be the Clemson Tigers. If they don't make the playoff, Anybody, any coach, if you offered it to any coach, and I'm throwing out coaches like I've looked at lists upon lists upon lists, and they've had guys like Kyle Whittingham from Utah, Hugh Freeze from Old Miss, Dan Mullen from the team you like to pick whenever we have a pick them for them, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, guys How like about Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, A&M. These guys, it's like... Especially, especially like Utah, I don't see Kyle Whittingham leaving for USC because he's in the conference. However, you could throw out there, but Ricky, Steve Sarkeesian left, and he was at Washington. So apparently that doesn't mean anything. But Utah is a, could be a playoff team this year. Washington was not, was not that high. Whereas... Dan Mullen, look at what he was able to do last year at Mississippi State. I know they're not the same, but he's had success with a team. Hugh Freeze and Old Miss has had some success. Kevin Sumlin, he's and the most interesting one out he's, of these he's the names. Most, he's the most interesting one because last time they were targeting him and they got Sarkeesian. Now, guaranteed, they're targeting him again. Here's the thing I like about Sumlin. You almost fell back. I almost fell back in this freaking <laughs> chair for the second week in a row. That's why you, ha- you can't lean back, Brandon. You can't. But what I was going to say, the most interesting thing to me about Sumlin, he knows how to work with a quarterback. And the reason I say that is if he can find a guy like Johnny Manziel, not exactly like Johnny, but a quarterback that he can work with, he can do great things. Oh, and let me think, USC hasn't had a problem with finding great quarterback recruits 
No, they haven't, but they have had a problem having them be good in the NFL. But Oh, they only need them to be good in Troy, though. <laughs> they know. don't need them to be good in the NFL. I know. But here's the thing is that with Sumlin, my gosh, he also knows how to turn a team around quickly. Last year, the Aggies, 8-5. and five, People looking at that like, they're crap. I remember when I said to you in the first game against Arizona State that, man, I think Arizona State's going to win it, mm-hmm. but watch out for Texas A&M. They'll give them a game. Texas A&M beat them. I think we were and both then, a little bit higher on ASU than we were Texas A&M, though. We, we, we were, but I said, just made it sound. But I said, watch out for them. I said, watch out for him I to be want, good. I and Ricky told to, me to take a hike. I just want everyone to know it wasn't as middle of the road as Brandon may uh, have it sound I like. said, watch out for their defense. Okay. Is that they could be good. If you want to know, <laughs> go back and listen to the damn podcast. It's on the tape. And you'll Play know. Back the tape. But uh, no, I think Kevin's someone hottest name. Even hotter than the name that you're going to mention right now. Do you want me to mention it right now? Mention it right now. You've Chip been teasing Kelly. them for a long Chip time. Chip Kelly. Here's what I think. If the Eagles do not make the playoffs, which they won't, <laughs> which they probably will not. And if you guys are fans on YouTube of EDP, go ahead and send this to him. I would love to know what he thinks. Proud Eagle fan on YouTube. However, I think if the Eagles do not make the playoffs this year, Chip Kelly is out as head coach. He will go back to college. Boom. USC. He goes back to the big or back to the Pac-12. I almost said Big 12. Back to the Pac-12, and he brings his offense to USC. Wouldn't that be something? Two Oregon offenses in the Pac-12? I said SEC, but I meant Pac-12. Well, I think it would be really interesting. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if Chip Kelly goes back because, you know, right now this this whole thing of the Eagles – uh, this project that that they've got going right now with Chip Kelly, uh, it doesn't seem it do, just doesn't seem to be working. They and, and again, you have to have the right people for the system. You look at a guy like Demarco Murray who just had his first game where he didn't carry the ball backwards fifteen times. <laughs> I mean, he it, it just doesn't seem to be working, and I'm still so surprised. Mm-hmm. To to me, other people may be like, man, you know that was a great move. I don't think that there was any reason to get rid of Nick Falls. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm in the same boat, And man. it wasn't broken. And it wasn't broken. So I think that USC has to, if they, if they look at Chip Kelly, they got a question and go, you know, what moves is he making? Like, what's he trying to do? We understand this is the NFL and it's different than college, but ultimately, what was he trying to do with that move? I, mm-hmm. would, cr- I would scrutinize that and look at that and, and, and really question, was that the move you want to make? Did it get you better? Are you better because of that? My opinion, no. But time will only tell. I'm going to throw out a question. Actually, before I get to that, with the Chip Kelly thing, the re- like, I say the reason why I think it, like, it's the most logical choice to me because the Eagles aren't doing good. The whole, whenever the Eagles lose a game, who's the first person Eagle fans blame? Well, maybe first, maybe second. They either blame Sam Bradford or Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. And I think that in the NFL, fans are getting tired of it. Maybe Eagles brass, maybe getting tired of the whole, you know what, Chip, your system worked year one, but your system doesn't work in the NFL anymore. The running, what was it? They wanted to run a play every 10 seconds. I was all for it. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. 
However, just some of the moves like you've mentioned that he made, trading away Nick Foles, trading away LaShawn McCoy, I don't think that Eagle Brass is going to sit likely if they miss the playoffs. He'd be great for USC. He knows he's a coach that knows how to coach in college. He's a great college coach, kind of a eh NFL coach. Here's the one question I was going to throw it out throw out at you though. Right now, according to 247sports.com, that's the big recruiting website and they have all like who's committed where, they have all the recruit bios. Right now USC has 15 hard commits. For the class of 2016, that will hopefully be signing in February. How does this move for firing Sarkeesian affect the hard commits? And how does it affect the guys that they're targeting now? Because you have uncertainty now. You can't go into a recruit's home and say, this is what we're going to do if you don't know who the guy for next year is going to be. I think that your hard commits are still probably going to stay. Because they probably would would I feel like they would probably play at USC anyways. Uh, but uh, the the ones now that you're going to try and go out and get, I think that that's going to be a little bit more difficult because if you don't have someone in place by then, you can't go and say this is what we're going to do. You can mm-hmm. say, hey, we're going to be playing football, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be USC football in Southern Cal. But I, I that's why I think that. You have to, if you're USC, you got to get on that on that head coaching uh, grind real quick and find somebody. You got to, and, and and in my personal opinion, the guy who really could end up as the next head coach for USC, is someone. absolutely, it and is. I knew that's what you were going to say. It is Kevin Sumlin because again, do you, do you a go top, ahead and a target, target him? A top target by USC. Do you go ahead and target but, him to lock him up ASAP, or do you wait for Chip? I'm not waiting for Chip Kelly. I'm not as high on Chip Kelly as you are. Well, I the only reason I say that is apparently three days ago, the CBS local website for Philadelphia reported that USC, and I don't know how how much weight you could put into this to consider, but it says USC to consider Chip Kelly if they fire Steve Sarkeesian, and boom, that happened three days later, today. Well, I, I think that they're probably considering a lot of people because on a head coaching list, there's never just one. There's never just two. No. There's, there's at least like five 10, or more. Yeah. Ten at the most, I would say. But so, so I think that right now, they're probably going to look and see who's the best fit for them. Sure, Chip Kelly's a big name, especially in college, but who's the best fit for USC? Who is the best USC guy? Who's going to get our guys pumped up? I say it's Chip Kelly. He uh, knows how to motivate college kids. Yeah, I disagree. I'm going to say it's... Kevin someone I mean both would be if you look at both of them and what they've done in the college ranks I would say they're pretty the only thing that puts Chip Kelly slightly above of above Sumlin he's been to the national championship he was there against Auburn and he's set his team up to if he still stayed at Oregon let's be honest they still would have made the national championship last year here how about this how about this I would be more willing to go Sumlin because Chip Kelly has showed me that he is not willing to change his scheme. You don't. If I don't feel you work with my scheme, see ya. I'm going to get people to go with my scheme. We are going with it, and we'll go down with it, or we'll win with but it. But that's a bigger debate. Who's who's really in charge of the scheme, the coach or 
the guy pulling the strings, like who's doing the hiring, which would be Pat Hayden. Whose scheme really matters? Oh, the, it's it's the coach. It's so the coach. if you could come in with that scheme and make it work, which because no, guess what? Which the only way that they have Chip Kelly come, Chip Kelly will only go there if he says we're going with my scheme. That's what we're doing. Well, yeah, people no. and people know that that's how Chip Kelly well, is. It's not just Chip Kelly. It's whatever coach you you're going to have to make a decision. When I say you, I mean the Trojans. Pat Hayden's going to have to make this choice. Which scheme? Do you like better, Chip Kelly or Kevin Sumlin? Because whichever coach comes in, they're going to come in, they're going to run their scheme. You have no say over it. So which scheme do you want this team to run? Just a heads up, though, in case you guys did not know, out of the 16 hard commits that USC has right now, they have one, two, three, four, five wide receivers. Tyler Vaughn's third best in the country. Uh, Trayvon Sidney, 11th best. Josh Imator Hubie, I probably pronounced that wrong. I apologize. 15th in the nation. They have Michael Pittman, 25th. And then Vellis Jones Jr., 71st. So they have wide receivers coming in. They also have a dual threat guy in Matt Fink coming in from California. The 11th ranked dual threat quarterback in the class of 2016 but Brandon before we kind of end this podcast we get ahead we go ahead with our secret picks I want to talk about one game in particular one team in particular the Michigan Wolverines and the reason why I want to bring them up is did you really think Jim Harbaugh would have these boys at five and one after the first six games of the season with three shutouts no, I didn't. Because um, they beat your team. They beat Northwestern, the team you were high on this year. Yeah, I'm still high on them. But uh, here's the thing is that I, I didn't um, I didn't expect it. I, I really didn't think that he was going to come in and, and, and do this well this, this early. I thought he would win some games. They would look good in some games, but they weren't going to be they weren't going to be a top contender. This is what he does in, in, in the Big Ten. Like I, I didn't I'm going to say I didn't think it either. I thought they would kind of get, okay, they're going to get a bowl game, but they're not going to be like Big Ten or playoff contenders. And this is what, Jim, like, this just proves what Jim Harbaugh does. Except for Stanford, and we talked about this before, except for Stanford when he came in, he hit the ground running at the 49ers. He's hit the ground running here. The only team he's lost to is now the number five team in the nation, the Utah Utes, and hey, guess what? That was only a touchdown deficit that they lost by. Ever since then, opponents have scored 14 points against them, and he's pitched three straight shutouts, two against ranked teams in 22 BYU, who I was really high on. I thought, hey, they could make it. They could probably run the table and be a surprise this season. And then you had number 13 Northwestern, 38 to nothing. And they're coming into, they're going to host actually the Sparties from Michigan State. And Brandon, I mean, this is obviously going to be one of the games we pick this week. So I'm not going to give my prediction here in the podcast. I will say this though the way Michigan State's been playing, there's a good chance that Michigan could upset in this one. 
there's a good chance that that Sparty could walk into Ann Arbor and leave six and one. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I guess we'll just have to wait and see for the like, picks. I can't wait for this game either because I mean, Connor Cook. If you want to prove to NFL scouts that you got the stuff, you got the cojones, you win this game convincingly. This is your game to show the NFL scouts, I can beat anybody. Rutgers, Purdue, they're nothing. I'm going to beat Michigan this weekend. But now, Brandon, let's end the podcast, though. We've done this each and every week this season. You can go ahead, check out our YouTube video for our picks this week later in the week. It'll come out on Thursday. But this is the point where we give that sixth game, that secret pick. I don't know what Brandon's giving me. He doesn't know what I am giving him. And Brandon, what's your game for me? All right. So, uh, unfortunately, Georgia without Nick Chubb. Missouri at Georgia. Ooh, that's, that's what I thought about. I keep giving you good games, I know. Without without Nick Chubb at home at Ath- in Athens, Missouri just losing to Florida. I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Okay. I don't say that confidently, but hey, I mean, look at what happened last year. Gurley went down, Nick Chubb was born, Nick Chubb went down. Who will be born now? They still got Grayson at quarterback. They still got Mitchell catching the balls as their leading wide receiver. Got an interesting one for you. All righty. Penn State at Ohio State. Oh, you know, I think that this is going to be really an, an, an interesting game. Ohio State has not looked great this season. That's and, why I give you this game. And as one of my friends from Penn State said, it is Ohio State hate week. Um, I think that Ohio State, however, is going to get the win. Uh, and they continue to stay number one begrudgingly for Ricky Widmer. So Ohio State in this one. Begrudgingly only because we know that Penn State has liked to upset Ohio State in the past. And, and Penn State, I, I, I just, I continue to, even though with, with their some of their wins here, I just continue to not have, I don't have enough, I don't have a lot of confidence right now in Cardale Jones, but I just really don't have a, a, a lot of confidence right now in Christian Hackenberg. He he has not showed me that he can be good. I mean, seriously. I mean, he, he has just not been very strong this season, and I think because of that, it'll be Ohio State. You want to know a funny thing about Penn State from this past week I saw? Yeah. Uh, Keegan-Michael Thomas, I think that's his name, K and Peel. K from K and Peel on Comedy Central yeah. was their homecoming guest this past week. You know what he did at the team meeting, I want to say it was on Friday? Dressed up as James Franklin and took the meeting and impersonated him. And I swear, you take Kay and you put him in the glasses and the same thing as James Franklin, they look identical. <laughs> Where players were like, we, we just thought that was coach with like thicker glasses. That's hilarious. And he came in and he did exactly like what James Franklin would do, talked exactly like him. Kind of like how on Hard Knocks we had... The players kind of impersonating oh, yeah. Bill O'Brien. Oh, oh yeah. it was great. I saw it on Snapchat. It was one. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. You've got to find it somewhere. It's a great watch for you guys. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. You can go ahead and hit me on Twitter at Ricky Widmer. Brandon, if he doesn't fall out of his chair this week like he almost just did there, he's at Young underscore Swan 19. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. I want to thank you guys 
for checking out this podcast. If you're on SoundCloud, hit repost, hit follow. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button, the subscribe button, and all that good stuff. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.